everyone. Welcome to the podcast of the Vineyard Church, Chester Springs. We invite you to join our mission to love like Jesus, and you can connect with us on social media or visit our website, csvineyard.org. Without further ado, we are starting a new series today. Clearly, I am excited about it. Hopefully, you will be too, but this is a series. It'll run for about four weeks. It's a time that we get to look at why are we vineyard, right? Like, I remember working here years ago, and we got, I got this phone call about, like, what kind of wine do you produce here? And I, on all these wine questions, and when I finally got a chance to say, like, I'm sorry, we are, actually, we, we, we don't sell wine, we're a church. Um, so why? Why vineyard? Who are we? What are we about? What are some of the things that make us unique? This is a great series. So today, you'll get to look at doing what the Father does, being naturally supernatural. We will investigate. Everyone gets to play, worship, compassion, justice. Keep coming back to learn more about who we are as the vineyard. Now, I really feel like it's important to kick off this series with one of the vineyard's founders. So back in the 70s, Ken Gullickson Um, he came alongside, um, prayed and prayed and prayed, and and really felt like John Wimber was supposed to be the man to lead us through this vineyard movement. So John Wimber is going to um, be up here on the screen. I'm going to show a video. It is from the 80s, so you will notice um, the sound, the clothes, all that stuff. Um, But he's a really special guy. He really had a heart for God. Um, He's not with us any longer. But he was our leader for a very long time. And he's going to be talking to you about something that makes us unique. One of the reasons why they started the vineyard, you'll hear that here. So enjoy that, and I will be right back. As I read the New Testament, I fell in love with Jesus. Didn't you? I liked him. I liked what he was like. I liked the things he did. I liked the things he said. Didn't you like those things? I thought that stuff was hot. I liked it when he multiplied the bread. You like that one? Huh? How about it? You like that one? And the fishes, you know, the sardines. I always picture sardines. I like that stuff. I like all that stuff, you know? I liked it when he went by the fig tree and said, mm, you know? <laughs> and it died. Can you picture him doing that? I like all that stuff. I like it. I remember last night, come forth. That's a biggie, you know? I mean, that's hot. There are not many guys doing that come forth thing, you know, telling anybody to come up from the dead. I liked all that stuff. And when I became a Christian, I thought that's what I was going to do. I spent several weeks reading the New Testament and talking with these people, and I thought, this is great. You know, I'm going to join up. I want to do this stuff. And so I remember the frustration of attending church the first few times. You know what I thought they did at church? Now, this is how stupid I was. I thought you, that people gathered at the church, had a good time together, sort of divvied up the land, and everybody went out and healed a few and cast out a few demons and won a few people to Christ before lunch. And so the first few times I went to church, I went prepared with the idea that we're going to, you know, ha, I'm going to take Anaheim. I want to go to Anaheim, you know, the deepest, darkest pagan Anaheim. Over there by Disneyland, that's where I want to go because that's where I was raised. And when they didn't do it, I was disappointed. And I remember one day asking a guy about it. I said, well, when do we go out and do it? He said, what? I said, when do we go out and do it? 
He says, oh, you didn't have to do it. You just have to believe it was done once. Now, that's pathetic. Isn't it? I found out over the next year or two that we cried about it. We sang about it. We preached about it. We prayed over it. We gave to it. But we never did it. We never got to go do the things that Jesus did. And I grew disillusioned in the process. Now, you know, when I worked for the devil, he let me do his stuff. <laughs> Didn't he let you do his stuff? He let me do his stuff. But when I came to work for Jesus, they didn't want to let me do his stuff. And I, to tell you the truth, I joined up to do the stuff. Did you? You see, it's doing the stuff that's going to change the world. It's not knowing it was done once. It's not knowing that it's important. It's doing it that's going to change the world. Somewhere, someplace, somebody's got to start believing this book and acting on it. And I figure it might as well be us. <laughs> We're qualified. We can read and write, most of us. And we understand that it can be done. Doing the stuff. John Wimber coined that term, doing the stuff, because he really believed that what Jesus did is what we can do as well. And we're going to dig into that and look into that. So what John Wimber and his team started was one of the fastest growing church planting movements. And to this day, there are over 2,400 vineyard churches around the world. We're part of a bigger movement, and there are special things about us that make us different. And they're good. They're good stuff. Today we're going to look at two of those, doing the stuff and doing it naturally, supernaturally. That's where we're headed today. If you do want to know more about naturally supernatural, actually the term is very user-friendly. It means exactly what it means. It means that we do the stuff of Jesus, but in a natural way, not with hype, not for show, not for financial gain. So something John was frustrated about was um, watching people on, on TV, he did mention televangelists, that would do these big shows of healing, right, for everyone to see, and they would knock people on the ground, and, and, and they would take offering, and, and it was for show and for hype and all the wrong motives, right? And so John, in response to that, decided, no, we're going to do the stuff, but naturally, Right? We're going we're gonna to connect with God. We're going to see what is God doing. We're going to do it with him, but in a natural, normal way. We are known for being weird. I will admit that. Um, but really, we, we are naturally supernatural here at the Vineyard. So if you do want to know more, because I'm not going to be able to get into the depth of it, there is a book by a man named Gary Best. He was one of the, uh, he was a national director in Vineyard Canada. And he's a great speaker, and his book is fantastic. I read it. It's very good. So that might be something that you want to check out for just further resources. Doing this stuff and doing it naturally, supernaturally. 
There's no better place to look than the life of Jesus and what he did to see how does Jesus do the stuff naturally, supernaturally. So we're going to dig into John chapter 5. If you have your Bibles, great. You can open to John chapter 5. There are Bibles back in the back. You might want to go and grab one. Feel free to get up, um, go to the back, find a Bible. If you have the NLT Jesus-centered Bible, you're going to be looking for page 1,112. We're going to spend lots of our time today in the book of John, and we will make some connections within the book of John. So we won't just stay in chapter 5, but that will be our main text for today. We're going to see here, uh, what I want you to notice is how Jesus does the stuff. How does he do it? So we're going to notice how he does it, but also we're going to think through what does he not do that makes him different. So let's, let's dig in. Actually, I do want to pray first. So let's pray, just invite the Spirit to come, and then we'll read. So Holy Spirit, I, just, I pray right now that you would come. Come, Holy Spirit. We know that you're here, but we're asking for more. We're asking for more. I pray that right now, God, you would increase expectation. Help us to actually believe that you are still doing this stuff and that you want to use us. Broken, sinful people, God, you want to use us to do your stuff. Not for our gain, but so that people can see that you are real. You really are real. And the Holy Spirit, you really do speak to us. So God, I just pray right now for an increase in our belief. Give us more faith. Help us to believe and help us to expect more from you. And so I pray for less of us right now and more of you. And as we read, God, I just pray that you would inspire us. Amen. John chapter 5. Afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. This was a Sabbath festival. Inside the city, near the Sheep Gate, was the pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, would you like to get well? I, I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. But this miracle happened on the Sabbath. So the Jewish leaders objected. They said to the man who was cured, you can't work on the Sabbath. The law doesn't allow you to carry that sleeping mat. But he replied, the man who healed me told me, pick up your mat and walk. Who said such a thing as that? They demanded. The man didn't know for Jesus had disappeared into the crowd. But afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and told him, now you are well, so stop sinning, or something even worse may happen to you. 
Then the man went and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had healed him. Stop there for a moment. I'm going to give some explanation, and then we'll do some noticing of the unexpected and some invitations here. But let me just explain a little bit in case you're confused. And I don't know about you, but when I first read this, I was like, uh, stop sinning or something worse will happen to you. That was really hard to swallow. So I'm going to explain that as well. What's happening in this passage then is Jesus is with his disciples. John is watching Jesus, and they've gone to this healing place. It's a pool. Now, there are manuscripts. So the earliest manuscripts of the Bible, the original Bible, this was written in Greek. We have that. It does not include this extra. There's this extra part that we find in later manuscripts. They didn't put it here. That can be very confusing. I'm sorry. Let me just tell you. The the pool, what they found in these later manuscripts is that they believed and true, perhaps, I don't know, was that an angel would come about once a month, an angel would come and stir up the pool, it would bubble up, and the first person in would get healed, okay? So that's what, what this man is saying when, well, I can't get in fast enough, right? He can't get in when, when it bubbles up, when it's stirred up, he can't get in first because he's a paraplegic, uh, and he can't. So we have this man, Jesus is coming, he knows all of this, Jesus knows him. Why did he choose this man? I am not sure, I don't know. But Jesus chose him because he knew that's what God wanted him to do. God wanted him to choose this man. He had been ill for a really long time. We're not sure if it's from birth or not, but a really long time this man had been here. Why does Jesus say, would you like to get well? Isn't that an interesting question? I personally think it's because this man had been sick for so long, he probably had become quite comfortable with how things were. For him to be here at this pool, it was a good place for him to beg. He was able to get money because people would come by and they would drop coins, right, where he was. So he may have just been comfortable. This is my life. This is, this is what I do. So Jesus is asking him, right, do, you, do you really want to get well? So the man says, well, can't, can't get in the pool. We see that. Jesus heals him. We'll get to that part. I'll come back to that in a second. I do want to just quick talk about this idea of stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. We notice here that the man, he doesn't profess faith in Jesus. He doesn't end up saying, you are the Messiah, oh Lord my God. He doesn't end up saying any of that. Perhaps he does, and John doesn't record it at some point. But for right now, we can notice that. And then this part about stop sinning. If you read all of the Bible, if you read further on, you will see that not all sin is connected to being sick. Like just because you are sick does not mean that you have sin in your life. It's just this particular case with this particular man. Sometimes could that be the case? Yes but not all of the time. So I don't want you to leave thinking, because I'm sick, I have some deep, dark sin in my life, right? It is not always connected, just in this particular case. We see that that is possible. So what do we notice here about Jesus? How is he naturally supernatural? Well, we see him not putting on a big show. People do end up watching, right? The religious leaders do end up seeing and talking with this man who was healed. But Jesus doesn't come and put on a big show. 
He doesn't collect an offering. He doesn't speak super loudly, right? Or like wave his hands all over and like wave a wand or like nothing. It's just, he's just natural. He just simply says to the man, do you want to get well? Stand up, pick up your mat and walk. Interesting about stand up, pick up your mat and walk. Those are three verbs. Stand up, the first one, is a verb that does not mean just do it one time. It means keep doing it. Keep standing up. It's almost as if Jesus is saying, you're going to get to sit down and get back up again. Sit down and get back up again. Sit down and get back up again. Not just once. I think that's beautiful because this man has not been able to do that for a long time. Pick up your mat. That's a one-time thing. You're not going to have to do this again. Jesus is saying, this is the time that you get to pick up your mat, roll it up, but you're not going to have to come back, lay it out, and pick it back up again. The next one, walk, is a continuing kind of a verb. Keep walking. Keep walking. This man is going to be healed. In that moment, this man might have not really believed that this was possible, right? And might have thought like, oh yeah, maybe I just got up for a second, but I'm going to fall back down. And Jesus is saying, no, you're going to keep walking. You're going to keep on walking. It's a very simple, simple way to say this. He could have done a 15-minute sermon here, right? But no, he just simply says, stand up, pick up your mat, start walking. He does it in a natural way. Now, how, how do we know? Like, what? I want to go back to why did Jesus choose this man? We're going to see, I think, some insight into that. And it's going to connect to this idea of doing this stuff. So we're going to keep reading at verse 16. We're going to read down to 21. So the Jewish leaders began harassing Jesus for breaking the Sabbath rules. But Jesus replied, my father is always working, and so am I. So the Jewish leaders tried all the harder to find a way to kill him. For he not only broke the Sabbath, he called God his father, thereby making himself equal with God. So Jesus explained, I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him everything he is doing. In fact, the father will show him how to do even greater works than healing this man. Then you will truly be astonished. For just as the father gives life to those he raises from the dead, so the son gives life to anyone he wants. What's happening here, the Jewish leaders are upset that Jesus has asked this man to pick up his mat. So at that time, what the Jewish leaders had done was they had taken the Old Testament law, keep the Sabbath holy, and they created 39 rules for how to make sure you didn't break that rule, right? And one of the 39 rules was you can't pick up your sleeping mat. So that rule was broken. You also were not, well, there wasn't much healing going on, but that would have broken the Sabbath. And so what Jesus is saying is, hey, wait a minute. God is working all the time. Yes, he rested on the Sabbath, but don't you notice 
that even on the Sabbath, babies are born, people live and people die on the Sabbath. So God is still at work, and they knew that, and they realized that, and Jesus is pointing that out to them, just showing them a bit of their hypocrisy. And Jesus replied, my father's always working, and so am I. And then he, he goes into this part about, I, can, I do what I see my father doing. So yes, the Jewish leaders are upset because he's equating himself with God. But what we can draw from this is that Jesus had this connection with God. He was fully human, but also fully divine, fully God. So he had this perfect connection. He knew what God wanted him to do. For some reason, God chose this man, and Jesus knew this is the man that I need to go to, to pray for, to heal, because they have this perfect connection. Now, John Wimber he spent so much time reading the New Testament. So he wouldn't have just stopped here. He read all of it. And so John Wimber had this special insight into not only can Jesus see what the Father is doing, but we can see what Jesus is doing and what God is doing because we have the Holy Spirit. In case that confuses you, we're going to look at the places where John would have found this out. So something that John believed in so deeply was in John chapter 14, you can skip ahead if you want, but I'm going to actually put them up on the screen so you can just stay where you are. But if you want, if you skip ahead, um, Jesus continues healing, continues doing miraculous works. Um, he ends up back again in Jerusalem, and this is where he is um, about to be crucified. And he says this to his disciples. He's talking to them about how he's promising them the Holy Spirit. And he says, he is the Holy Spirit, verse 17, 1417, who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and it doesn't recognize him, but you know him because he lives with you. He's talking about himself now and later he will be in you. So here's where Jesus is saying the Holy Spirit will be inside of you. You can jump ahead a little bit more. Chapter 16 We'll explain this even further. Chapter 16, verse 13. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the father is mine. That's why I said, the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. So if you have any doubt today that you, maybe you think, oh, I can't hear from the Holy Spirit. If you have any doubt, there is your proof. Yes, you can. If you keep reading all the way through, even Paul talks about how when you come to this place of saying, yes, Jesus, I want to follow you. I, I, I want to believe in you. Forgive me come into my life and save you, the Holy Spirit comes and gives you that connection with Jesus and with God so that you do have the ability to hear from the Holy Spirit and to know what is God doing. We don't access this very much, honestly. Even I find myself very often in a place where I just use my own eyes. I just do my own thing and go my own way. And every once in a while, I'm like, oh yes, I have this, this special ability to, to like, put on these 
lenses that are Holy Spirit lenses, and they clear everything up, and they show me, oh, Jesus, this is what you're doing today. So I'll give you an example. Our family went on vacation two weeks ago. We went on a cruise to Bermuda, and I woke up one morning, and I was like, oh, yes, 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 right. Oh, yeah, I I have this ability to hear from the Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, show me. Show me today. What, what can I do for you? Is there something I can do for you? And I didn't, I didn't hear anything. I don't, I don't ever actually hear an audible voice. It's this like, it's just inside of me. I just, I just know, right? And I'll, I'll show you a little bit about that in a second. But I didn't hear anything. But I just knew, like, I've got, I've got my Holy Spirit lenses on. And I'm just going to go about my day. And I know something will pop up. And sure enough, I go to breakfast, right? And our family's sitting, we're eating breakfast, trying to make sure Luke doesn't throw food all over everybody, and Zach and Maggie are fighting, and Frank and I are like, why did we do this? We should have stayed home. Um, But during this crazy breakfast time, parents, you know how that is with little ones, um, I still had my Holy Spirit lenses on. I still knew he's going to tell me something. So as we're eating breakfast, I notice across um, at the next table is this woman. She's, uh, it's a young couple. And she's going like this, and she puts her head down on the table, and I notice the husband comes around, pulls his chair, sits with her. He's rubbing her back, and I hear her say headache, and she asks the waiter, can I just, can we have our breakfast to go? I could tell she was in pain. So inside of myself, I'm like, okay, Holy Spirit, is this it? Would you like me to pray for her? And I didn't really hear much. I didn't sense much, but I figure, like, this is the heart of the Father, right? Of course God would want her to be well. He wouldn't want her to suffer, so it can't hurt for me to pray for her, right? Um, And then, so I decided, even though I didn't really hear from the Holy Spirit, I'm like, I'm going to pray for her. Um, So then I say, just inside of myself, Holy Spirit, what is it? Can you show me more about this headache? And I just, it just pops inside of me. It's like these random thoughts that you know are not yours. It popped inside of me this idea of It's not just about her. Her mother gets these headaches, and her grandmother gets these headaches. So then I had something more to pray on, more to to go on, and felt like, okay, this is what you're doing, God, right? This is what you're doing right now. So I walk over to her, and my kids are like, what is she doing? Because they care what people think, and I'm done with that. Um, Anyway, go over to her, and I just say, hi, I'm Emily. I know this is a little weird, but I noticed that you have a headache. And I was just wondering, could I pray for you right now? Um, And she was really receptive. I have done this before with people that are not receptive, and it really is okay. You end up okay. It's okay to be embarrassed. Um, But she was very receptive. So um, I said, oh, great. Thank you so much. I just, I really want to pray for your headache. And so she closed her eyes. I closed my eyes, and I just, I prayed for her, and I asked the Holy Spirit, I asked Jesus, could you please take these headaches from her? And I said, God, if, I said, if, because you, it is not okay for you to say, thus saith the Lord. I do not know if I am right in hearing God all the time. I hope that I am, and I risk, because that's not a hurtful thing to do, right? Like, I would never go to her and, and condemn her in any way, but this was a positive, kind thing that reflects the heart of God, so I knew that that was okay. But don't ever go up and say, this is what God told me to tell you, okay? So I just said to her, I said, in my prayer time, God, if 
if these headaches happen to her mom and if these headaches happen to her grandma, Lord, I pray that you would just stop this at a generational level. Just please, God, would you stop these headaches? And I, and I just pray, pain, pain, would you go away right now? Because that's how Jesus did it. He would just tell the things, go away, right? Like, just eyes be open, pain, go away. Uh, and that was it. That was it. I prayed, and, and that was it. And, and I was a little bit, like, nervous, so I just, like, pretty much quickly left, which I should have stayed and said, like, how are you feeling? Does your head still hurt? Can we could pray again? Or, But I was too nervous. I was just like, okay, I'm out. Um, and so I don't know if she was healed. I don't know if her mom was healed or her grandmother. Uh, and I might never, ever know, but I did what I saw God doing, what I thought I saw God doing. And, you know, I, I don't know what happened, but I hope this woman was blessed. I hope it made her think, who is this Jesus if she didn't know him? And maybe she was healed. And maybe she did say, like, Jesus, he's real. He heals. And who knows what could happen from that? right, just from one interaction, as we go about our daily lives, this is what John Wimber is talking about, doing this stuff every day, in your life, wherever you are, at your workplace, at your school, at the grocery store. I do this a lot at the grocery store, actually. It's a really good place. And like, God is really at the grocery store. I don't know. Um, and yeah, all through your life and to do it naturally, right? To not go up and, and be super weird, but just be normal. Just be a person who, who knows that Jesus still wants to heal and still wants to love on people and give them stuff. This particular, uh, this week on Thursday, I, I sensed the Holy Spirit, you know, it's just this little voice like, go to the library at the seminary where I went. And it's an hour away. I went to a capital seminary. It's in Lancaster, connected to Lancaster Bible College. And I'm like, oh, no, no. I don't have time to go an hour away to the library. Um, so I was like, I really need an answer for like, why on earth would you want me to do this? And I just close my eyes. I pray. Uh, and I just felt uh, there were a couple things that I felt the Holy Spirit give me. I won't name those. But one of them was, I need you to pray for someone there. And I was like, Jesus, it's Lancaster. There's so many people that love Jesus there. And so many good prayers. Like, Lumi lives there. Can you just send Lumi to the, to this, to the school? She can do it. And he was like, Emily, I need you to go pray for this person. So fine, I drive the hour. And uh, I get to the, the library, and I have no idea who I'm supposed to pray for. And uh, so I just wait. I just wait, pray, like, God, please, please don't let this be a waste of time. And I sat down. I, I went and found some books. I started reading. And, and I look over out the window, and I know instantly. I just know this is the woman that I need to pray for. I don't know. I can't really explain it. It's this, like, inner gut voice. I know it's the Holy Spirit in me. And I know he's connected to Jesus, and I know Jesus wants to tell her something. So I go outside. Again, it is a little awkward, I know. And I, I say, I, I, hi, I'm Emily. And I just, I really feel like God wants me to pray for you. And would that be okay? And of course, she says yes. Uh, and I pray with her. And I already had a little insight. I prayed on my way out the door, like, okay, please, please, what, what is it, what is it? And I just felt like, it's something about her family, something. So I just said, is there something going on in your family? That's what I'm sensing. And she said, oh, yes, actually, my, my husband's mother, she just died. And we're just trying to navigate the estate, and it's causing so much 
division and disruption in our extended family. Uh, it's really painful. And she starts to tear up, and um, I just listen to her talk, and I say, I, I would love to pray about this right now. Uh, and so we pray about that, and I pray about a few other things, and I, I didn't realize who she was. She was the assistant provost of the school. I didn't know who she was. And so when I find this out, I realize, oh, God, that's why you needed me to do this, because anyone else at that school would have known who she was and would have been too afraid to go pray for the assistant provost, right? Who was going to go up to her and pray for her? She's, you know, too powerful, too important. But I didn't know that, um, so he was able to use me. And I had been to that school, and she felt really comfortable knowing, like, this is not some random stranger. This, she, goes, she has gone to this school. She's an alumni, all of those things. So it all made sense when it was all said and done. Um, but that's just an example of how God can work in your life. I truly believe that the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you. I really, really think he does. I know it can be hard. My kids get super frustrated. Like, Mom, how do you hear? I don't hear anything. I don't see anything. But it's just, it takes time. But I do believe God loves you so much. He wants to be your friend. He wants to have that communication. And he has given you the Holy Spirit to be able to do that. So we are going to really actually practice this right now. We're gonna take two minutes of silence and ask the Holy Spirit to come to speak to you. Uh, what I envision is uh, for today that what I feel and sense that God might wanna do is just give you a new pair of lenses, right? Like some Jesus lenses, these feel like Jesus to me, or some like Holy Spirit lenses, like this is the Holy Spirit, this is how I want you to see things. Or, you know, I don't know if these are God lenses. I'm making this up, guys. I don't, I don't know. I just, I get the sense that we, we need new lenses. We need new glasses. Uh, and that it, it might be, who knows what. Maybe God just needs you to believe differently, see something differently, see something new, change a belief that you have. Uh, I just, I believe he wants to speak to you this morning. So we are going to ask him to do that for us. And we are going to be silent for two minutes. So if you would just close your eyes with me, I will pray us into this time and then I will pray us out. So Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would come. I ask that you would show up. I believe, God, that you want to meet with each one of us today. And I do believe, Jesus, that you almost want to like sit across from us and put some new glasses on our faces, and you do it in such a loving, compassionate way. You are not angry. You are not disappointed. You forgive all of our junk, all of our sin. That is all gone. You just see us as your perfect children, and I believe you want to put some new lenses on us. So Holy Spirit, come and do that now.
more of your love, Jesus, would you pour it out? Amen. We started with John Wimber coined this term, doing this stuff and, and do it naturally, supernaturally. And so we're going to end with John Wimber. And as I read this to you, I would love to invite the worship team to come forward. And we are going to transition then into a time of being able to just respond to God through music. So John Wimber says this, God wants to use us to continue Jesus's ministry of liberation. To the sick and diseased, Jesus brought healing. To the spiritually oppressed, Jesus brought deliverance. To those separated from God, he brought forgiveness and restoration. It was always Jesus's plan to continue to vanquish the power of the evil one by using flesh and blood people like you and me. There is no greater calling. I challenge you, I encourage you, keep noticing Jesus' invitations to you. Keep asking the Holy Spirit to speak to you. If you didn't hear anything, keep asking. If you heard something, go do it. What could our world look like if all of us were truly able to wear our Holy Spirit lenses all the time? I can only imagine. So let's stand up, let's worship, let's respond to Jesus. Keep asking him to speak to you. I know he loves you and I know he wants to. Let's worship. Thanks again for listening to the podcast of the Vineyard Church, Chester Springs. We hope you share this with your friends and family and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time.